Zach Burns, Jamie Monticelli. Welcome to the Trend KC Show. In studio with us from the Show Me Institute, Patrick Tui. Thank you very much for coming in. Uh, it's my pleasure. So uh, yesterday, uh, I just saw, I follow Show Me Institute on, on Twitter. And uh, you guys do about a minute-long podcast. So I decided, hey, I got a minute to sacrifice. <laughs> let, let me check Nothing out. Nothing better to do. Let's, let's see what they're thinking about today. I'm uh, going to play, play it really quickly here before we get into the topic. Uh, this is from yesterday's Show Me Minute. Uh, I found this up on SoundCloud. Ever put off a problem until it becomes really painful and expensive to solve? Missouri may be about to do just that with its highway system. How did you get to work this morning? How are the groceries at your local market delivered? If you're like most Missourians, you rely on the state's highways, and that system through MoDOT is getting worse. The state tried to push through a sales tax in 2014. Voters didn't go for it, and there are better ways to raise money for our roads and bridges, such as toll roads. I-70 needs to be rebuilt. Why not let the private sector build and toll an expanded I-70 along with other big MoDOT projects? In several states, leasing toll roads has resulted in better, less congested roads and money to improve the transportation system. And it's a fair way to rebuild major roads. Only those who directly benefit will have to pay. So very consistent with the, uh, the Show Me Institute's philosophy that private entities will always do a better job than the government will. Uh, not always. There, there are some basic functions that, uh, that government has to do, certainly oversee. Uh, you know, your basic uh, neighborhood roads are an example. But so many states have had a great experience with toll roads, uh, particular high-traffic uh, highways, that it's something that we ought to consider in Missouri. So why are private entities better at managing this and running that maintenance than the government is? I think it's because they probably have a, um, uh, a singular focus to a particular highway. They uh, have a profit motive, frankly, so that makes them much more responsive to need and and wanting to do uh, as much as they can for as little as possible. And of course, uh, you, you know, people who ride across these highways have the option to, to not. They can they can go the other way. They can take another route. So these highway uh, companies want to make sure that they offer the most efficient, uh, smoothest. Uh, cheapest uh, way to wherever you're going. So just to summarize the plan, essentially this is what we would do. I mean, MoDOT realizes, as many departments of transportation across the country are realizing that our our infrastructure is in dire straits. Com crumbling, and, as we say. And we need to do something about it. And of course, one of the most important roads in, in Missouri is, is I-70. So that's a good place to start. So what they would do is essentially find a private contractor, which you know must exist. Right. And set up a, a leasing situation so they're not selling obviously the, the public highway to this to this company they're just become the landlords basically right and then included in that contract would be what sorts of stipulations do you think gosh well you know certainly what you would do is you would turn over the operations uh, for a sum of money you know the, the, the companies would would bid on this and, and pay the state an amount of money and then take over the uh, the maintenance and and any tolling for example to pay for it um, there are, you know, different states have done it different ways, and different states have had different uh, have had different uh, results. But but basically, it's a way to make sure, and this is probably what's most important, it's a way to make sure that the people who use the road, who benefit from the roads, are the ones that pay for it, rather than what we had the other year, which was an effort to pay for new highways with a sales tax. So kind of everybody pays for it, Correct, whether they right. use the road or not. One of the angles on this that came up when we were talking about this a little bit yesterday was the idea that, and correct me if I'm wrong on the facts here, but that Missouri had tried to get the idea of a toll road passed in the past and that voters had said no. That's right. I think in 1970. 
two and okay, maybe in 1990 ago. something. That's right. But that doing this is a way to skirt that vote again, that, that the public said we don't want this to be a toll road. And so the state then just gets a private entity to raise the money however they want. And this is how they choose to do That's it. That's a good question. I don't actually know if if the state would have to have a public vote on doing something like this. And by the way, you know, not to beat up on Missouri roads, the roads in, in Missouri are pretty good. A number of years ago, we floated a bond and, and I-70 is in pretty good condition. When I moved here 11 years ago, I would drive to St. Louis an awful lot and people would kind of cringe and say that's a horrible road. But in my experience, it's actually a pretty good road. It's a pretty easy drive. I think maybe they were remembering what the condition mm-hmm. of the roads had been. The problem in Missouri today is our uh, gas tax isn't generating nearly enough revenue. Uh, our costs have gone up. And uh, there's a question about how much federal funding we get. So we need to do some some new thinking. It's not simply a matter of, of saying, you know, we need to cut waste and abuse and something like that. Like, we actually need to come up with a new way to pay for, I think, what new is New revenue, a, not just what is a What is a legitimate government function? So obviously there would also be, because uh, one of the concerns that uh, one of our texters, we addressed this uh, briefly yesterday, that if you put a private company in there, they can charge whatever they want in terms of tolls. And, and I would imagine that the state would have to have some sort of say into what the tolls would be. Yeah, you know, I imagine just like uh, the state oversees utility uh, prices and, and, and utility companies have to go to the state board and ask for it, there's probably something like that. And again, the, the, the private company has some interest in making sure that they are the you know cheapest, most efficient way to get from point A and point to point B. So I'm sure it is not just a matter of carte blanche, choose what you want. They have to be competitive and they're going to have to deal with the state as far as regulating it. Let's talk about some of the states that have implemented a, sure. a program like this. Uh, but before we do, actually, uh, what are you concerned at all that this kind of just uh, opens the floodgates? Because there are some states that are addicted to tolls. I was born mm-hmm. and raised in one. There's not there's not a major highway in New Jersey that you can really take without paying a toll. And a lot of them were promised that at some point, once the road was paid for, there would be a sunset and these tolls would go away. And they never do. You know, that is that is uh, a legitimate uh, concern. My favorite joke about New Jersey is when someone says they're from New Jersey, you say, what, what exit? exit? Yes. Uh, <laughs> you've heard it. It's a new one. Uh, <laughs> so, yes, that is a problem. And that certainly is a problem in Kansas City. It's a problem in Missouri where we come up with a program and say it's going to go away. And then it, when it, it, the sunset comes up, we renew it. So uh, I think you can put in a kind of uh, uh, provisions in the law that that say we the state either gets to review this after a period of time or maybe voters get to approve this after a period of time, sort of like we do with the earnings tax. I think that's fine. But, um, uh, you know, I think what people need to understand is that there is a need for new revenue sources. Uh, I think they can be convinced that a private enterprise can do, uh, can do it better than MoDOT. Uh, certainly that's happened in other states. Uh, and then, what, and then in, in, for example, in India, Indiana, when the toll road didn't work, and the company that was monitoring it uh, or running it uh, went bankrupt. The road reverted back to the state. And so what the state got was that initial buyout from the, from the uh, private company. And then when the private company did some improvements but couldn't make it work, the whole thing um, reverted back to Indiana. It was win-win. They got right. money yeah, and they got the way, road That back. was the best actual yeah. possible outcome for uh, the state. Uh, so, uh, you know, they can either try to maintain it themselves now or maybe they had a good experience with a private company and, and want to do it that way. But it really is, I think, I think now in, in 2016, people are more comfortable with private uh, public partnerships. Uh, you know, technology, we don't drive the way we used to now. Uh, and there are all sorts of opportunities for, for companies to come in and I think just do a better job. So would the state competitively bid that contract and how would they make that decision on which company? Well, that's a great question. You know, are they looking for the company that's going to charge the lowest tolls 
or promise the most amount of maintenance? And, and how do you judge somebody that's good at snow removal or whatever it happens yeah. to be? Well, that's a great question. So I, I would imagine that, uh, yes, the, the state would solicit all sorts of bids. It would have all sorts of conditions uh, built in. So this is what we want to do. This is how we want to monitor your operation. Here's how we want to have a say in, in uh, the tolls you charge. Uh, this is how often you're going to be able to charge tolls. I mean, a lot of people, I think, when they think of toll roads, think of what I grew up with on the East Coast, which is you slow down to a crawl, throw mm -hmm. some coins in a basket and go on. But today with electronic devices, you know, you see those those things on the highway that are just for trucks yeah. mm -hmm. that, that monitor yeah. traffic. So, oh. the, I mean, the toll ride has definitely gotten smoother even in right. a toll congested state like, like New Jersey, but it still is incredibly frustrating to get off one highway, pay a toll, and then pay another toll to get on another highway. The, yes, and so uh, we won't necessarily have that problem, I think, if we just toll 70, but, but that is the kind of things that, that the state would have an interest in. So I don't think it would, I, I hope it would not just be cost. I think the state would want to know about what, what's your record in the past of snow removal? What's your record in the past of dealing with emergencies? Uh, uh, how much have you charged? Uh, what's your margin of profit? Uh, how much of that goes back into infrastructure uh, rather than just goes into the pockets of, of shareholders? So I think these are all the kind of questions that uh, the state would ask and be right to ask, but it's a, it's a worthwhile conversation to have. Is it Highway 50 that is parallel to I-70? What's the road that's parallel to I-70? Uh, well, there's... Sort of. Yeah, 50. I mean, I've taken... 36 is further north. That's right. Because um, somebody's asked on Wait, the text line. Uh, 36 is what I take between, if I'm going back to Chicago, that's what connects Hannibal and St. Joe. But I thought there was a road that was parallel to I-70 that was pretty close to it. Uh, 50 does, you know, I've taken, you can take 50 from St. Louis to Jeff City to Kansas City. Okay. So that, that may be it. That goes through Sedalia. Okay. And, uh, you know, the problem with that is that it's just, uh, it's, it's one lane each way in some places. And uh, it's not conducive to probably big vehicles who are... Uh, long, long distance trucking. Because the issue that people are bringing up on the text line that we talked about too is there's no alternate route. If somebody wants to avoid that, you know, for competition's sake, there's nowhere else for anyone else to go. In New Jersey, there are there are highways all over the place that you can go a different way. Chicago too, where I grew up. In this case, there's nowhere else for that traffic to go. They're stuck with that toll. And that's why the state and, and all the localities would have an interest in, in making sure that, uh, you know, it charges a competitive rate. But listen, if I had to pay what would I pay to drive from Kansas City to St. Louis on a road that uh, that was better maintained, that had a smooth ride? I mean, would I pay $6 to go from one end to the other? That I probably would. Um, $20? I don't know. So I don't even know where the price point is. Now, of course, uh, you know, the trucking industry that, that uh, ships all sorts of stuff back and forth, you know, they would probably be charged based on tonnage and, and number of axles and stuff like that. So they would have other concerns. But, you know, this is something that... Uh, that is being done around the country to great success. And, and where it's not, uh, we can learn lessons from it. But it's, uh, you're right, in 1970 and, and uh, after that, you know, we talked about it as a state and decided not to do it. But I think it's probably worth having that conversation again. Is it being, just so we know officially where this is, is there any lawmaker that's bringing it up? Is it being proposed anywhere else? Uh, I, think, uh, I think Nixon has demonstrated an interest in studying it. I think they're, they're looking into it. Nobody's committing right now, but, but I think there's enough... Um, there's enough of people willing to say, well, let's let's look into what this might look like, right? right. So we're in the preliminary, preliminary, preliminary. And nope. just, just to further expand the topic, or things that are run by the state now that could possibly be, be leased, leased out to a private entity, are there other examples besides I-70 or even the roads that you can think of? Well, so there are, certainly, and there are lots of things that we've tried elsewhere to good and bad effects, right? So we're all aware of private prisons and the kind of... Uh, unfortunate incentives that were given to judges and prosecutors. Uh, so, 
Uh, not to say that that's not entirely a bad idea, but certainly in some cases it's been execu- executed poorly elsewhere. You know, Kansas City has a water department. Uh, we don't control the, uh, the, the power company. Uh, why do we need to control the water company? Uh, that would be something that a lot of uh, cities, I think Tulsa, for example, recently uh, sold their water department. So that's something we could look at. Um, uh, Branson is a private airport, uh, okay. one of the few, mm-hmm. if not the only one. Uh, that might solve a lot of our problems in, in Kansas City if we just, uh, heck, if even we gave Terminal A to Southwest and say, go to town, you can have this. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, if you're, if you're com- complaining about you don't have enough uh, gate access, take your own terminal. Um, so, yes, there are things. But, again, you know, what we talk about at the Show Me Institute, a lot of things that government does really aren't the function of government in the first place. I would argue, like, you know, uh, streetcars and building hotels. But there are plenty of things that, that are the function of government that are important. Streets, sidewalks, uh, you know, a, a role in education. Uh, then it's just a matter of, okay, in the things where government should play a role, what role uh, should it play? So, and it used to be 50 years ago we couldn't have had this discussion because the technology and the free market hadn't allowed us to have all these choices. But, but I would love to have kind of a, a statewide conversation about all the things that government is doing that it, it doesn't need to do. And I, and I frankly, I think, I think a lot of uh, mayors and, and uh, maybe governors would kind of be happy with a, a fewer things to worry about. And fewer things that the state has control, total control over. Well, that's the that's the payoff. Uh, I think you'd have to demonstrate that when the state has total control over something, that it does a better job than than the free market. And what's great about fifty states and and all different uh, policy approaches is we can look around the country and find states that have done things well and states that have done things not so well. So the position the state is in then at that point is to manage that contract. That's and right. Oversee that contract. Is the state good at that? Uh, well. They are better at overseeing contracts, perhaps, than they are administering programs. So think of the school district, right? So the school district could, for example, say, these are our standards. We're going to hold all the charter schools, and they do, all the charter schools to them, but, but the charter schools get to run themselves. Uh, certainly, a state could say, we're going to monitor and keep, you know, make sure you've got some sort of customer satisfaction, monitor your, monitor your rates, um, come up with some standard for measuring how effective you are at repairs and things like that, but we're not going to actually run the day-to-day operations. Um, so I think the state can do that because ultimately it is a public, it is a public good. It is a, a basic function. It is an infrastructure. Um, but that doesn't mean that we need to be running it, uh, run it, you know, that the government needs to be running it itself. One example, for example, is, is design and build, right? So the way we design and, and build uh, Infrastructure projects now is the state kind of designs the projects, finishes the design, then hands it off to a builder who uh, executes and sometimes has to keep has to come back to the designers for something they didn't foresee. Well, there's something we do in Missouri and, and around the country just called design build. And so what you do is you design a part of it, but then you hand it off to the private uh, contractor before the whole thing is finished. And so what they can do is they can start building on the part that's been designed. And they can design as they go along. And sometimes, in some states, uh, it saves 20% of the time. Uh, and, and that's 20% of the cost. And so that's a small thing that MoDOT could do that would potentially save a great deal of money without realizing any downside to quality of construction. Yeah, it just does seem inherently with uh, government-funded construction projects that there's going to be over- overages. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be delays. There's right. going to be deadlines that are broken. One of the things that's fascinating to me uh, is is that old L.A. freeway. You know, when the earthquake happened and the and the freeway collapsed, mm-hmm. the uh, the governor uh, I think went to these uh, uh, contractors and said, you know, we want your bid, but for every day that you come in under the deadline, before the deadline, we're going to pay you some bonus. 
And uh, the highway was rebuilt so quickly that people were upset about how much of the bonus oh. was being paid because they came yeah. in well under. But the benefit is that L.A., which depends on its freeway, had its freeway back and working again. And so if you build incentives in private industry that you can't really have in, in uh, the public sector, you can get incredible results. It's just a matter of making sure that the incentives are are good ones, right? You don't want the incentive to to lobby. You don't want the incentive to, you know, for crony capitalism. You don't want the incentive for, uh, you know, putting money in the pockets of uh, legislators. You want the incentives to be build a good road, build it quickly, and maintain it. Right. All right. So I think this is uh, uh, one of the few issues that Patrick and I agree on. Uh, <laughs> Reflection it out a little bit, but I, I, I do. I think the idea, and I'd love to do more research. I know it worked out for Indiana, but that's a tough sales pitch to give mm-hmm. to the, the people of Missouri. Like, look what happened in Indiana. It turned out best, you know, the best possible outcome for them. Somebody else paid to fix the roads, basically, and they got the roads back and were able to collect the tolls themselves. And and the industry, I'm sure the, the highway industry, the private companies. Are aware of that model, mm-hmm. yes, and so they've learned a lot from that too. The Indiana's um, mistakes, yes, yeah. Uh, so, so again, it's it's uh, it's an opportunity for us to look at something. I think it's pretty exciting, even if we don't decide to do it. The conversation, the research, is worth having because I think people need to understand that we do have a need in Missouri to to get a lot of this work done. Uh, uh, what do you think Modot's response to this would be? You know, I don't know. Modot had a press conference some months ago at Union Station where they basically said, uh, "We got nothing." Yeah, uh, and they need the money. I mean, they've they got to I mean, get the money to get from it. somewhere. Right. They and tried to get it a couple of years ago. And you'd, you'd, you'd have to, if you don't, if you feel that usage fees are more fair than taxing all of us for something that maybe we'll never use, this is certainly a better plan than the sales tax. Right. I mean, the gas tax, uh, the gas tax at least taxes gas, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if if, uh, if people are uh, paying for gas, they're paying for the roads. But a toll road, and that doesn't solve the every problem in the state, but it, it takes care of one big expenditure on I-70. So on Missouri, we agree. On Kansas City, Patrick and I just don't necessarily see eye to eye. I wish I had been here the day I was it gone. Was, it was a lot of fun. Because I heard it was be, lively. Because we do come to consensus on, on a lot of things. I think we just use different verbiage. Um, you know, a, a lot of it has to do with some of the investments, is that's the word that I like to use that Kansas City <laughs> What word do you like? <laughs> subsidies. Subsidies, yeah. Well, because but, I see the power and light as an investment in, in vibrant downtown life. He sees it as an unnecessary Drain subsidy. on government, yeah. yes. Well, I think where we agreed is, is whether it's an investment or a subsidy, we need to see a return. Yeah. And uh, we're not seeing that yet. And so maybe there's a, there's a, you know, like for a long time, that uh, garbage furniture you have, uh, after some period of time, it becomes an antique. Mm-hmm. Who knows when that bright line is? Uh, at some point, a... Uh, a subsidy can become an investment, or you've got to realize that your investment, air quotes, is after all a subsidy. And we need that information before we guide a future decision. So, you know, I'm all for uh, a, a, a policies like this on the small scale, and let's see if it works. But unfortunately, what Kansas City is doing, and, and lots of cities are doing, is they're just hand over fist giving money to developers with no regard for what they're getting in return, other than pretty buildings they do seemingly just not even negotiate it's like part of the process if a developer does want to come to kansas city is that you get this tiff you mm-hmm. get this this property tax break because you want the building because, yeah they're desperate right mm-hmm. now because they I, I think they feel like kansas city is on on such a roll we don't want we don't right. want any developer to back out of a project because we didn't offer them enough but I, I'm, I'm looking at a blog you wrote back from july 12th that, that just pointed to the decline in population amongst millennials uh in kansas city and that 
really shook me because I see all the construction and, uh, going on, you know, in my neighborhood all the way up until Midtown. I mean, massive new residential apartments, lofts, condos, whatever you, you want to call them, uh, all going up. And I, it's not 40 and 50 year olds that, that are necessarily moving in. It's young professionals in their 20s going into their into their 30s. Uh, I was surprised to see that there was actually a drop-off. And I said surprised initially to see there was a drop-off in millennial population from 2009 to 2014 in Kansas City. But then I saw how millennial was defined. A millennial is uh, not as narrow of an age range as 20 and 29. Right, that's a millennial, what Right. A millennial, if you go 20 to 35, the numbers change. And the population actually has grown. Well, the population has grown in the downtown area but of the large larger age age range but it hasn't citywide so so city Kansas City is not necessarily attracting millennials in fact Kansas City is losing the citywide is losing millennials at a faster rate than the nation the national average uh, but that downtown area is attracting so again my fear is that we're putting a lot of money into downtown we are realizing in the downtown area a bump but citywide we're not and so we kind of uh, uh, I, I, I'm trying to think of a, a metaphor, you know, a, a balding man that puts a little bit of road gain on his head and sees <laughs> sees yeah, a hair, right. but the rest of his head is bald. Okay. You know? And we focus on that that area, and we see some growth, but it's being done at the detriment of the whole city. And we are, after all, an entire city. We're not just downtown. And I guess that's a point that Patrick and I disagree on, is that I think one neighborhood spills into the next neighborhood, spills into the next neighborhood. I'm willing to wait a while for that to happen. Are you? How long are you going to wait? Well, I mean, oh. I'm leaving in six exactly. weeks. So. <laughs> he gets to say whatever he wants. Fall. He doesn't care. <laughs> You've got six yeah. weeks. Let's go. Yeah, yeah exactly. But then the other thing that we do agree on is like, at least the city should try to bring in a contractor with, without offering a TIF. First, we yeah. See if you can get it without just it. To see, because if that convention center hotel, he, I, I say that he swayed my opinion on the convention center oh. hotel. Uh, I, I'm not a... a, a against building it. I think it's great that it's going to be there. But if it's going to be so profitable because of all the extra convention business it's going to bring, then they shouldn't get a TIFF. If it's going to be profitable anyway, then they should just they, they should have to pay full price. The problem is that companies know you're giving it to other companies, yeah. so they want it because right. everybody else got it. That's exactly right. They know that there is no barrier to getting it, that the city will just throw money at you. And frankly, they would be a fool not to oh, ask I for it. I mm -hmm. don't begrudge them for, for asking or, or I, accepting I, it. I just wish the city said no once in a while you know <laughs> once in a while <laughs> well, just maybe once in a while and Try. so what it takes is you know it takes the the parents of the school district showing up and creating a petition and then it kind of becomes ugly because it kind of becomes personal and Shirley Hellsberg got upset about having that tiff taken well, away well and they got the they got the deal going before you know really releasing all the info so the convention center like they'd already really broke ground before the tiff became an issue and uh, and so it's it's um, it's a shame because what happens is our our, our leaders uh, don't want to make the hard decisions. They just say yes to everybody, and then uh, they kind of have that uh, that um, uh, cop out of saying, "Well, you know, if 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 uh, if we they don't build here, we don't give this to them. They'll move mm -hmm. to Kansas," and, and that doesn't happen. You know, Burns and McDonald was not going to move to Kansas. BNIM did not move to Kansas. People do want to be uh, downtown, and that's a good thing. And we need to make them pay for it. Generate pay money their, from fair, them. Yeah. their fair share, right? Someone's got to pay for all this excitement. <laughs> Patrick Tui from the Show Me Institute. Thank you very much for coming in. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's always fun to have you here.